It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to the Golden Hour Adventures. Today's guest is Jeff Friedman. Jeff has run 70 plus races. He's 39 and lives in Iowa. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, thank you. It's good to be with you. So, uh, yeah, I've run over 70 plus races. Um, how I got to doing that. Let's see, you know, I've, I've one of those, I'm one of those guys who's kind of always been a runner. Um, you know, when you start choosing sports like junior high, high school, um, I was definitely just down to like basketball and running then. And I was facing the reality of having to like lift weights and get, try to get big and be a basketball player and running was just a lot more fun. So, uh, I got into like cross country and track you know, a lot of the typical stuff in high school. Um, I grew up in Iowa. The nice thing about running in Iowa is you kind of get two state meets and track. You can go to the Drake relays where they have like high school kids and like college and crows running, and then you can go to state. So you can kind of go to state three times a year. Um, so I got into running in high school and then, uh, it got real, you know, it gets serious when you start like running varsity and stuff. And I had tons of struggles and then I didn't want to run in college. So I went to college and just uh, worked at a running store for a while and pretended like I was a runner and partied. And then I transferred to a division three school. <laughs> um, and then I started running again. And it was kind of like intramurals, you know, college sports are so serious, but at division three, you know, I was running like JV races. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of like an intramural vibe. So it was more fun than serious. Um, then I started doing road marathons. Um, you know, there's like the Chicago marathon, Boston marathon, like all the typical stuff. I did that for a couple of years. And then, uh, there's actually lots of good trails in my hometown in Dubuque, Iowa. So, um, you know, there's trail races around here, even kind of before ultras got big in this area. Um, and I had an uncle who had been out to Leadville. He went out there with a bunch of guys from the quad cities, like Davenport, Iowa. Um, they used to go out every year and, you know, he wouldn't have to pace and crew, I think. And, you know, this was when I was doing marathons, but I was kind of ready to give that up. So it was a perfect time to start doing the trails. And my uncle was talking to me about Leadville and, it, you know, I'd never been to the mountains before in my life. I'd never been to altitude. Um, and he was talking about, and this was probably around the years Anton started winning it. I don't know when that would have been, Robbie, you think like 2007 or so. Um, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So I looked into that, you know, and I was getting like runner's world magazine, you know, cause I was just like your average jogger. And I think it was a running times. I had a picture of Anton on and I was like, man, this dude looks familiar. And, uh, when I was 16, I went to this running camp at Luther college in Iowa and it, Anton was my roommate back then. What? So, and then I started like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Holy cow, was, so when I was, and that was like, you know, running like the mile and stuff. And Anton was from Nebraska and he was looking at going to school there. Luther, this was just kind of like cool hippie running school. So Anton was looking at that or Colorado college. And obviously he went to Colorado college and then he, you know, went and got fit, then he became Anton. Um, so, and this guy's like a big pro runner. I mean, so back then it was a big deal to notice him. And I was like, yeah, I know this guy. And my friends, and my, you know, my friends who were runners were like, 
you know Anton Kropitschkin? I was like, yeah, I roomed with him at running camp. You know, and I was like, what's the big deal? Like, I don't know who this guy is, but uh, he was the same Anton back then. You know, he was like a hipster before there were hipsters. So, <laughs> right. Um, well, well, so anyway, then, uh, yeah. So anyway, long story short there, I ended up getting into ultras the next year. This was 2009. Um, and I, you know, in Madison, Wisconsin and Ice Age and Kettle Moraine, there's a lot of ultras there in the Midwest. So I started doing them there. And then the following year, I went out and did Leadville. I signed up 2010. And so I'd, I'd, I'd never been to the mountains before. I'd never run in the mountains before. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I stopped in Denver and people were like, you're going up to Leadville. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, what's the big deal? They're like, have you ever been to the altitude? I'm like, you mean like at Mile High Stadium when like the linemen got the mask on? Like, is that a thing for people? And they're like, do you have any idea what you're doing? And I didn't. And I go, but... I figured out I was in trouble pretty quick. You know, you get up and you don't, you, get, you don't know what it's like at 10,000 feet and you're going to go run up there. So that was a pretty humbling experience, but that's kind of how I really got into the ultras was kind of through the Leadville pipeline, which I think Robbie came in around that same time. I mean, I mean, tons of people were ushered into the sport around that time, you know, from the book born to run. And, you know, that was kind of the whole Leadville thing. So I was, I, I came into the ultras on that crowd around 2010, um, which I feel is fairly common. Like I said, I knew a ton of people my age coming in to do it, but maybe I was just in that niche, you know, where things get normalized and you just think everyone runs hundreds because all your friends do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I did, I did Leadville a few times. My second year, I, I went to Vermont instead of Leadville Led- and took a Sorry, Leadville your first? Was Leadville your first Leadville was my first. Yeah, that was my first, that was my first hundred miler. Okay, what'd you do before that? Uh, so I, um, I did the Mad City 50k, which is not much, and then I did the Ice Age Trail 50, which is kind of like the big race in the Midwest in 2009. And then the following year, I did a couple races. I did Kettle Moraine 100k, and I did a few other like some timed events and things just to kind of get ready. And then you know, then I did Leadville that next year. So that was my first hundred, which, you know, your first hundred is a big deal. I mean, that's kind of when you really experience ultra running, you know, cause you go through, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, experience. But, uh, and then after that, I went to Vermont the next year and DNF that one. Um, <laughs> the Vermont 100. The Vermont 100. And then uh, later on that year, I got home from Vermont and was like, you know, I should just move to the mountains. So I ended up moving to, uh, Colorado. And then I did Leadville a couple more times. So my first three hundreds were all Leadvilles. And then after that, I started doing, you know, all kinds of different ones, flat ones, runnable ones, you know? Yeah. Um, looks like you and then, did and then from there, I mean, you could, yeah. I, I, you know, and then, you know, a bunch, and then I was in the mountains. So I just kind of did all kinds of stuff. Um, I lived in up by Fruta and grand junction. So I did lots of races out there. Um, you know, and then you can get out to, Moab pretty easily and you know up to Leadville so that was kind of what I did for a number of years out there so what besides your uncle what else got you into running ultras um I mean I think I I, I knew who Scott Jurek was and he was a pretty um likable guy you know uh you'd read into him and you know that was back when he was winning western states and when he was in his prime so I don't know. I mean, of course they make ultra running sound fun when you read an article about Scott Jurek. I mean, because the pros, you know, make it look so easy. Um, 
but no, I just, I, I guess I just noticed, I, I knew a little bit about it. And then my uncle encouraged me to do it. And I used to go and run races with him. It's funny because uh, he did Ice Age with me my first year. So we went to that 50 together. And then after that, I was like, I, I wanted to do 100. So that was kind of how I got into it. Did he help pace at Leadville? No, he actually did not. But uh, a couple, he hooked me up with other people who paced me. Um, but and then I ended up pacing a number of years. Pacing at Leadville is, you know, one of the best things to do in running, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's way more fun than running the race for me. I mean, I've paced there like seven times and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to run this again. I'd like to just go pace. So I just realized that uh, 2012 was my first year at Leadville and I only missed one year up till I moved out here. Yeah. I was out every year. Everyone was there though. It's like a reunion. You know, you'd see everyone at Leadville. Hanging out at Twin Lakes was a good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think some of my best experiences and running were pacing at Leadville. I mean, as opposed to even my own races, for sure. Yeah, giving back and watching people finish that that race is a yeah, really yeah. One year I paced one year I paced people who were you know out like almost dead last, and then one year I paced Seth Kelly. He got third, and then most of the time it was somewhere in between, you know. And it's it's just so much fun out there pacing. So I think we met with the fur group. Front range ultra runners. Yeah. We ran definitely. Did you run any of the fat asses? I ran a bunch from, yeah. I used to come over from Grand Junction when it was just, you know, when it was just getting going. Cause I moved out there right after John did. So when all that was going on, um, you know, like when I rode to the Grand Canyon, it was like Walter. Walter Olson and David Hill up front and me and Jen in the back. And, you know, and the oh, next wow. car over was like, you know, like the same people who, you know, the same friends who you'd see like for the next 10 years. Yeah. So, but yeah, I definitely, definitely through that human potential kind of group. I, de- I met a ton of front range people. Did you do the trans uh-uh, I did not go on that one. I went to the, I think the only one I went to was the grand Canyon. Okay. But that was, that was quite the trip. I mean, there was a ton of stories at that trip, you know, it's one of those trips where there's like 50 stories where every story is the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in running. <laughs> you know, like one guy didn't make, you know, one guy didn't make his bus ride home from the Canyon, you know, he gets stuck on the South rim, you know? Oh people, yeah. I heard about that. <laughs> that whole fiasco, but no, it was a ton of fun. So uh, what do you got on the docket for the, this year? So I'm racing this weekend in um, Davenport or the Quad Cities, which is about an hour south of where I live. There's a um, a park where there's a 50K. Um, there's really good competition. I mean, one of the guys just beat Zach Bitter last year. One of the guys is like a 220 marathoner. One of the guys is like a 1425K runner. So, I mean, I could have the race of my life and maybe get fourth. So it's going to be super competitive, which is, which is fun to see. Um, and then I'm going to do a four hour race. That's on a loop. That's just kind of hilly and rough footing. Um, that's part of a series of timed races that I'm doing. And then I'm going to do the hometown race, uh, down the road from where I live called mines of Spain. Um, it's, they have a hundred mile and hundred K I'm doing the hundred K 
Um, but it's like a 20 mile loop through a state park um, in, in Dubuque, Iowa, which is the area where I live. So those are kind of my three races, you know, August, September, October, and then I'm going to call it a year and not run for a while. The winters around here are pretty rough. That I mean, it's not Colorado, so right. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think I'm going to do it this winter. I mean, I said that last winter, I ended up going out and running some, but I don't know. It's, I just don't like it. So that's good to take time like off, you know, here in South Dakota, it's uh, a little bit like Colorado, but it's definitely colder and the wind likes to blow. So it's not that it's, fun to get it's out. It's not as bad as Wyoming, is it? Uh, I don't know. This is my first year and uh, a lot of people, oh, really? it was bad. So <laughs> when you get in the hills, it's not, it's not terrible. The, the, the winters here are pretty mild. You can, you could trail run pretty much year round. So there's about two months. I would say you're going to have a couple of dumps of snow, but it'll melt off pretty quick. But March, April timeframe, it gets kind of, kind of dicey and muddy. And that's kind of, you know, when you turn to the road a little bit, but you can pretty much run almost mm-hmm. all year round. Nice. Have you run any other races this year? So this year I've done, um, I did a, a winter race in January, but it was so much snow that it wasn't really runnable. I did a half marathon. That. I, I like to do a race a month if I can. Um, and then in February I did an indoor marathon at the U S speed skating center in Milwaukee. They have a, they have a track around the speed skating rink and it's, it's bigger than an outdoor track. It's, it's a massive place. And then inside the speed skating rink, there's multiple hockey rinks. So, and then the track is on the outside of all this stuff. But in February, after running out in the cold, I was like, I'll go run loops for a couple hours. It sounds good to be inside. So I did that indoor marathon in February. And then in March, I don't know if I read. Oh, in March, I did a 40 mile race in the Quad Cities called, um, the race is called 100 Ks of Convenience. And each checkpoint is a convenience store and you have to get a receipt like proving you were there. So your run gets all busted up because you're waiting in line at gas stations, but that's part of the race. I mean, you have to go to these checkpoints and cough up the receipts at the finish. And that's otherwise, I mean, if you lose a receipt, you are booted, you know, they don't care. So I did that race. So I, and they did 20 mile loops. So if you do the hundred K you do three loops. So I did the 40 mile race, which was, two 20 mile loops. And this was the last nasty day of the winter. Like it was March. So, you know, it's like 40, 50 degrees on a nice day. And this, the whole race, the windshield was below zero in this 40 mile race. And it was a road race. So you just hung out to dry on like some boulevard going to the next gas station. I was like, this was not supposed, it was supposed to be a nice day. And I mean, it was like face shield all day. Otherwise you, my beard would have froze. So it was, <laughs> Not a good March race. I mean, the race was okay, but like the, the weather kind of ruined it. Um, and then April, oh, April, I went to Mad City and it was like, it was the first hot day of the year there. It was like in the seventies. So in April here, you know, seventies is warm to run in. So I went from, you know, face shield to, you know, having a heat stroke the next month in the 50 K. And I think I got fifth at Mad City. Um, but Mad City is, you know, like the national championship. They get like the winning time in the 50K 
was under three hours. I mean, it's wow. really fast guys. Um, and then May, I just trained through May. I actually did three fifty Ks, but I just did them all on my own, like on the weekends. So training I would run? do like a flat one. And then I, what's that? Training runs. Yeah. Just on your so own. I basically just did them as straight. Yeah. So I did like a flat one and then I did a, a hilly one on the trails and then I did another flat one. Um, and then in June, I went back to racing. I did a nine hour race. That's in that series. Uh, it's called shoots in nine, like N E I N. Cause it's at a German park called shoots and park. So they have this nine hour race there. Um, and that's on a loop and it's just kind of rough trail. So it's, you do a lot of vert. And I think I, I had like 47 miles, which is a good year for me down there. Cause it's pretty slow going. Um, and then in July, I did a bunch of short road races. I did like some five Ks and four milers. Um, just, you know, cause it's that time of year, you can, you can find a lot of local races that younger kids do to hop in. Um, and then now I'm going back to the ultras in the fall and, you know, that's kind of the plan and then call it a year. What's your favorite distance? Probably 50 K or 50 miles. Um, I mean, at the time when I was enjoying hundred milers, I mean, that's like kind of the world you live in because hundred milers are the end all be all, but I haven't, I mean, lately probably, I mean, yeah, probably 50 mile if I'm having a good day. Yeah. Cause I can still run it on a, on a decent course. I can, you know, I can kind of run the whole 50 miles. I do a hundred miles. I'm walking a lot. So, you know, <laughs> it's just a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole different sport. What's your favorite race? You What's that? Favorite race? Man, my favorite race, I mean, I guess right now my favorite race is mine to Spain, just because it's nice to do the hometown race, and it's a nice course, and, you know, I do that on my Saturday morning loop, so I guess I don't feel that adventurous right now, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's a pretty default answer, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's also a really fun race too. Uh, the guy who puts it on, I, I grew up with, I went to high school and college with him and I mean, they get hundreds of runners from all over the country. Um, and they do a really good job and it's, it's just a really good race. So it's also that, that factors in too, and it's a good day. And, you know, like I, I go to the aid stations and I see like a bunch of my local friends, you know, and it's, it's just, and I'm on the home trail. So it's kind of like I'm racing, but it's kind of like I'm just out for a run. And then, you know, it's just, it's kind of the best of everything. So, yeah, of course. Like. What's that? What's the course like there? Um, it's a lot of uh, single track and prairies. It's a lot of short climbs. Like it's a lot of 200 foot climbs. Cause that's, kind of how tall the bluffs are and it basically kind of just goes up and down all the different routes. But so, I mean, I kind of look at it, this isn't exactly, but you have like 26, 2,800 feet of gain in a 20 mile loop. So you have like 12 to 13, 14, you know, 15 different Hills that are all, you know, 180 or 200 feet. So you don't have any big climbs, but it's just a lot of, a lot of, you know, I would consider, you know, little, little climbs or little half mile climbs or mile climbs. So. What's your, what's your goal for this, this year? 
You know, for first. So again. the last two years, I, I, so the well, one year I got beat by over an hour. There was a kid there who ran the first mile in like six minutes, and I just never saw him again. Um, <laughs> you didn't chase him down. And I, and I went out way too fast, and I still never saw him again. So, uh, <laughs> but but that year I didn't wear a watch. That year I, I was still living in Grand Junction. I got to the airport and I was like. I'm missing something. And I was like, I got my shoes, you know, I got, you know, what am I missing here? And I was like, man, I left my watch at home. But I was like, I don't think it matters because it's a hundred K, you know, I was like, either way, I'm just going to get up and run all day on these trails. And then the next year I ran it with a watch and I ran like four or five minutes difference. So it didn't make any difference then. So I don't know, this year I'm going to try to break 10 hours. So, and place wise, I don't know. I mean, who knows? There could be, people in front or behind me but i mean at that point it doesn't matter if i run 10 hours i'll be happy either way so what's been your fastest uh, fastest time so far like 10 25 and the other one was like 10 29 so i mean it's not a huge stretch but and, and each time i was out there i was on pace to do it and then something would happen with like an hour or two to go and i was like okay well i don't need to you know, I can just slow down and kind of phone it in and, you know, you can really start going slow if you want to. So, uh, a half hour goes by pretty quick, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw you, uh, you had a Western States DNF on your, um, on your ultra sign up. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be a story that there. That's only half the story. Well, yeah. So they don't show all my DNFs. They don't like Vermont and other, they don't show all my finishes either. Um, but I, uh, I also have an Angeles Crest 100 DNF that happened like five weeks after. So Western States and Angeles Crest are like two of the hardest hundred miles to get into. And they're both out in California. They're both super old. So getting into both of those is, I mean, extremely hard to do. And I got into both of them and I DNF both of them in the same summer, which is just <laughs> at the time it was devastating. I mean, after Western States, I was like, okay, I can still finish AC and, you know, I can salvage something here. And then I got out to Angeles Crest and it was, it, it was the same thing for me, which I had big time problems in the heat. And I, I was working in oil and gas at the time. That was 2015. And there was tons of layoffs. Like every day I'd go to work and I'd run into someone who was like losing their job or telling me about layoffs. And I was like, man, this is horrible. And then, uh, the girl I moved to Colorado with, we were not getting along. And so I got Western States. I had, I decided to eat on like the, t the worst climb of the race where it's really steep. You're in these canyons. It's super hot. Like the, that's not the time to eat. You just weather the storm and you know, you, you can recover after. So I wasn't even thinking, I was like, Oh, time to eat. And then I just absolutely imploded in the heat. And this was a mile 45. And I, the next, uh, I spent the next, seven hours puking and I made it 17 miles in seven hours mm. and I would get nice. to these aid stations and just, yeah, it was, it was, a, <laughs> it was rough. So anyway, <laughs> I got to hundred K and I DNF cause I was like an hour ahead of the cutoff zone. I was like, I'm like, my throat is just sandpaper. I've been throwing up all day. Like this is not happening. You know, I, I, I screwed this up. And uh, so I ended up dropping out of Western States, which is a huge deal. I got in with one ticket, Robbie. I kind of just threw one ticket in that I had at Umstead. And I had a real good run at Umstead. And I was joking. I was like, they only let fast guys into Western States. This lottery is fucking rigged. I'm going to get in with one ticket, one and done. And 
I got in and I had already signed up for AC at the time. So my girlfriend was like, I thought you were already doing the race. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like you have to do this one. If you get in, she's like, I thought you said that about the other one. I was like, I did, but I was like, it's both of them. So, so I ended up doing Western States and Angeles Crest. And after I got home from Western States, uh, we, my girlfriend broke up with me. So I was like, man, this is a rough weekend, like Western States. Vienna. And at the time I was like, man, like, what do I do? Like, I can't run anymore. You know, like it's Western <laughs> States, like you don't recover from this. Like this is, this is the end all be all. <laughs> and then to have that happen, like the next day I was like, man, like this is not my weekend. So I went to uh, Angeles Crest and I had problems in the heat again. And then I like my headlamp ended up going out. So I was like out there in the dark like bonking. And I was like, this is, you know, that was probably one of the only times I actually felt unsafe running. I was like, I'm going to fall off a cliff, like in the dark. And so I got to hundred K there and I'm like, this is a good place to DNS. That's what I did last time, you know, five weeks ago. So I got to ride back to Pasadena. So yeah, that was like the summer of, that was a rough summer, man. Those are, that's, that's quite the streak there. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure someone's done it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back crazy. to back. Please tell me so, that your girlfriend did not the next, uh, go to Western States and hook up with a, a finisher out there. No. Sorry, that was been, a little dig. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, well, something else happened that I'm, miss, that I'm forgetting. because She's like, you can't finish, finish Western so. States, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Any desire to get to yeah, uh, what, go the, back and redeem? No, not really. I mean, I don't know. I really shouldn't have thrown my name in because I mean, and I hate to say it because it's, it's a really good race. They do a good job and people go there and have amazing experiences, but I don't know. I just, I don't care. And you know, I'd rather someone who really wants to do that gets an opportunity. I mean, would I turn it down if they said, Hey, you can come to Western States. I'd probably like, no, that'd be fun. But I don't know. I just, I'm, you have to do qualifying races and you know, throw your name in the lottery. And I don't know. I just, I don't even like signing up for races around here, like a few months out where I just sign up, let alone a lottery. So, I mean, I just, I guess I just don't need all the hoopla anymore. And, you know, I, I can see how people want to do it, but no, I, I looking back, it's like, it was probably good for me to DNF because DNFs make you a lot better runner, you know, cause they're very humbling experiences. You know, you like, you tell everyone you're doing this, you pour all your resources into it, you train for it, you go out there and then you don't get it. You know, that's a big loss. So it just kind of helps you. I don't know. It, long-term it's good. Short-term it sucks, but long-term <laughs> it makes you better in a number of ways. And doing it twice in a row is like double humbling. It's like, <laughs> man, like I should never be fucking confident. Like I should, you know, again, like what was I thinking here? You know, that you have that like, for a long time. So for a while, I was like, I'm doing easy races where it is a slam dunk. Like I'm not doing some desert climate, a hundred degrees. Like I'm done with that. I'm running. So he's out, he's out crushing yeah, 20 so year do, olds in a 5k. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to DNF this 5k. Well, <laughs> and I've had other DNS for other reasons. You know, I've gotten off course a lot. Sometimes that's led to a DNF. Um, I've gotten sick, you know, just, I've run injured when I shouldn't have run, you know, so most DNFs are, you know, there's always a reason, Yeah. you know, looking back, you can always kind of see where the bodies are buried and be like, this is where it went off the rails. You know, anyone, anyone who doesn't say that is not looking hard enough. What happened to Silver Hills? 
your DNF. What's that? What happened to Silver Hills with your DNF? Silver Hills, I was injured. Oh. I, uh, I was, I, yeah, I shouldn't have started. And I made it like 39 miles, which for being injured, I was like, man, that's a really good day for, I should have done like, I mean, I was, I was like limping in the first hour. So I was like, this is not good. Like to be limping at mile, like six of a 106 mile race. Cause I remember thinking like, Oh, it, it was over a hundred. So I remember thinking at mile six, like, all right, we got a hundred to go. And I was just like, my calf feels terrible. Like this, this is not good. <laughs> and, uh, I had another one. I ran ice age one year and I had like a neck injury and I was like, my legs feel fine. And you know, I could have gone for a jog, but to go out and run 50 miles as hard as I could, it didn't feel that fine. So, so what are your takeaways? Mountain, Robbie, I got sheep, sheep mountain. I got lost. <laughs> mountain? I was going to, yeah, I was going to do an extra, I was going to do an extra mountain if I decided to stay in it. And I was not up for that at the time. That's a tough 50 miler. Yeah. So what were you saying? So what you takeaways from these DNFs. Um, I guess, you know, I, I really just, once I finish my race, I kind of just take what I can from it. And then I just kind of forget about it and move on. I mean, I don't, I don't really save anything. I don't really, I don't know, dwell on it. It's kind of just on to the next one, good or bad. Like I could DNF it or I could go win it and set a PR And either way. It's like, I just kind of think of, get what I can. And then it's, you know, it's kind of gone. I don't like saving all this stuff. I don't even like wearing the shirts around. I just don't like, you know, uh, I don't know. It just kind of makes me want to do new stuff right away. You know, I kind of just forget about it right away. I don't know if that's good or bad, but either way, the good, regardless of how the race goes, you know, I just kind of absorb what I can and then on to the next one. I've heard the shirt thing a lot. The shirt thing where people What's like, throw the, I've heard the shirt thing a lot where people like throw the shirts out or they don't wear them, you know, from a DNF because just like a constant reminder of it. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I have the feeling. I do that with all, all my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Buckles and everything. I don't keep any of it. Really? <laughs> okay. yeah. I shouldn't say I got some shirts, but that's just because. You know, I'm waiting for another pile, then my mom's gonna probably make them into a pillow for me or, or quilt or something. But I just, I just don't. Well, I'm a minimalist for one. And when I, like, when I moved back to Iowa from Colorado, everything I own fit in my truck. And I was like, I don't want any stuff. I don't want any goodies. I don't want any mementos. I, I just didn't want any of it. So I, I don't know. I just, and when you do like 10 races a year, you're gonna have a lot of junk laying around if you, I don't know. It's just good to get rid of stuff. I think yeah, so. All that swag. A bunch of my, a bunch of, a bunch of my coworkers are like walking around with these running shirts on, and they're like at the grocery store, and someone's like, "How'd you do in that race?" And they're just lying through their teeth because you know I gave them like pile of dry fit shirts because I don't want shirts, and they want <laughs> warehouse clothes. So. <laughs> so they'll be there smoking a cigarette with like a Boston Marathon shirt, like, oh, you know, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, but no. Are there any good uh, programs that you donate your buckles or medals to? Because I've heard there's some decent stuff out there, or do you just kind of toss them? Yeah, yeah. So there's one where they give them to like kids in the hospital. They like they redo the ribbon on them and then give them the buckle or the medal or buckle, and it's you know like, hey, this person ran a marathon, you know, 
keep persevering, you know, and they just do that to, to brighten someone's day. So I did that to the local Iowa branch and, and I've only done it a couple of times. Like I've had it pile up. So I remember I sent this guy like a dozen buckles and like just a whole, I mean, it was like a heavy box to ship from work. And then I got a card from him. He's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, there's all these buckles and all, you know, what it was like, you know, some of them was from big races and he's like, what is the deal here? I'm like, dude, I'm cutting it loose. Have at it. So that's awesome. Well, I'm sure those kids like really appreciate that. That's a cool program. I've, I think I've heard of that one before, you know, guys wanted to get rid of a lot of their stuff. You know, that's great encouragement and stuff. If, if, if you're not, you know, hanging on to them. Would you keep that, uh, 10 year or 10 finish Leadville buckle, the dinner plate. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I guess a couple things are fine. I got a couple things in my office at work because at work, I, I no one cares at work. So it's different. You know, my friends are coming over and be like, get this shit off the wall, you know? Uh, so I might have something like that. I got a Leadville poster up uh, that I got framed. That's, up behind my desk at work. Is it Anton? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that guy getting that box of that, that dinner plate buckle and trying to put that on a ribbon to give to a kid? <laughs> that thing is massive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, it can be Christmas ornaments, those metals. That buckle is like, <laughs> yeah. I... Do they have a 30 year one, Robbie? Or a 20 year one? What do they do for 20? I don't know. I just know about the, the 10 year. I, I, I imagine they keep going. They have something for 20. Because Kirk Apps was in my running club and he got like the 20 at Hard Rock too. Really? Yeah, he's got like, yeah, he's one of those guys. Yeah. He's one of the hard He rock did Leadville 20 times and stopped. And then he keeps, he keeps doing Hard Rock every year. Wow. Does he live in Iowa? No, he's a Grand Junction guy. Oh, Grand Junction got him. I kind of like what you said earlier when you were saying that you did it once. You're, you know, you're kind of done with it. Let someone who, someone else who's having trouble to getting into. I, I kind of, I don't know. I've always had that thing like, I've done the race once. Let me move on and do something else and let someone else, you know, get a spot. So, you know, because there's tons of us like, I only have one ticket right now into Western, but I'm going to throw my hat in and see what happens. You know, you're, you're a story that, that, you know, the, I hear it all the time. Oh, I had one ticket and I made it. So, you know, it definitely could happen, but I told my wife, I'm probably going to throw up because I'm a definitely a, a very back of the pack hundred miler. So, um, but yeah, you hear about these guys running it over and over and over and you're just like, man, come on, like let someone else take their shot at it. I don't know. That's, that's kind of my feeling at it. And I appreciate you, you know, kind of having that same, yeah, of course you've got the opportunity you would go again, but you know, for those races that are harder to get into that it's going to take me, you know, probably eight to 10 years to get into that. And so I, you know, I do appreciate that for sure. I mean, look, you're Hard welcome. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Hard rock. You got the same people. I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to do soft rock sometime. You ever thought about doing that? I would love to do soft rock. You know about soft I rock? I think that'd be the way to do it. I think I, I think that'd be way, the way to do it. I've actually never heard of that before. So whatever, whatever the loop is, it, and it all depends when you get there. Um, some people do it the week before hard rock, hard rock. So the, the flagging's already up 
And sometimes they also, <clears throat> you can help put the flagging up depending if you know the, the trail family or not, but you just run to the different cities. They're about 25 miles and usually stay in a city or you camp. Oh, cool. Wake up the next morning and, you know, it depends. Most people do it in four days. Um, but it's just, you get the experience out on the course with a little bit of luxury. Yeah. That would be uh that would be kind of cool. Just your own little fat ass that kind of get together and go do something like that then, huh? We should do it. <laughs> um, so if you didn't have running in your life, where do you think you'd be? Man, be hard to say. Hopefully I'd have some other athletic endeavor or something, you know, I'd be getting into lifting or, uh, some other discipline like that, but just nothing would be, you know, that'd probably be bad. I, I, that'd, that'd be a big void to fill, you know, because running takes up a lot of time. Um, you know, it's a lot of planning. It's nice. Like, you know, you can build your week around stuff. You think about, you know, not just work, you think about other stuff too. So. Yeah. I hear that. So you're, you're competitive, competitive nature. Yeah. I, I would definitely have to find something else to, to fill that void. That'd be productive, you know? Um, but it'd be tough because it's also your identity too. I mean, you know, it's up there with like vegans and crossfitters, you know, you have to tell everyone you're a runner. So what would you tell everyone? Right. Yeah. That, that was one thing I did struggle with in Colorado was the identity of an ultra runner or runner per se, you know, would run those fat asses and there'd be 30 or 40 people. And it was mostly running talk unless you got into those different groups that you just wanted to talk about life and hang out and enjoy the, the atmosphere. I struggled with that pretty hard. Um, I don't identify as a runner. So for me, it was, uh, it was humbling just to, to get out there. Running seems, it seems, it seemed more serious to me in Colorado. I don't know. Like it just seems more laid back at other places. Colorado just seems, I don't know. Yeah, true. Like if you go into Boulder, like, you know, you see all the lights on the trail, all that stuff. Um, it makes you feel like you're small <laughs> if you're no one. I didn't care. Right. Yeah. Every, everyone's trying to be someone. It's a kind of, you know, it can be exhausting for people, but. Well, you know, you go to the mountain sun and the first thing you do is you walk in there and a bunch of ultra runners and they want to know what your hundred or your, 50 was and so like i'm just here for a burger <laughs> <laughs> exactly do you uh train alone or with groups so uh i got one buddy who i kind of have trained with over the years but we've had injuries at different times so um my friend Adam, who lives down the road from me, we'll go run we used to run on saturday mornings together basically do our saturday morning long run together um, and he's been injured for probably a year. And before that, I mean, I was injured for a while during 2020. So he was on his own then. So I've been running by myself for probably over a year. Um, almost a hundred percent of my miles, a hundred percent of my long runs. Uh, the college I ran at down the road, they have a pretty good team and I can keep up with their guys when they go, when they do like 18 or 20 miles, I can, if I'm going hard, I can stay with them for that long. Um, so I can go run with them real hard for two and a half hours or so. Um, 
but I, but that's maybe once every couple months. Other than that, um, I, I run on my lunch break. Usually during the week, I go out and run, you know, five miles on my lunch break. I might get up morning one day a week. I'm definitely not a morning runner before work, maybe one day a week. Um, and then I'll run 20, you ho- hopefully 20 miles or more every, every Saturday. And then I stay at 50 miles a week and 200 miles a month. I've stayed there for like 15 years. That's kind of been my sweet spot. Um, when I go above that, it's gotta be temporary and, you know, I just can't sustain it. So could I be any faster if I, you know, ran 60, 70, 80 miles a week, maybe, but I'd probably be injured and it's just not worth it. So 50 miles is kind of where I sit all the time. I run solo and I kind of stick to that and it seems to work. Okay. So 50 miles is, um, that's where usually I would hang out is 50 to 60 miles. Um, you hear these other people, you know, Jim and well, Anton was doing 200 mile weeks back in the day. Crazy. I can't even wrap my head around that. (laughs) That's a a good month. I hit 200. I'm happy in the month. Right. Yeah. But I think for the longevity, I mean, 50, 50 to 60 is a good sweet spot for a lot of people. I just, Mm -hmm. uh, if if you got a family and work full time, you got to make different priorities, you know? If you're shooting for a hundred mile, are you still doing 50 miles a week or do you bump up 60, 70, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before the race or you kind of just hang in that 50 the whole time. I'll hang in that 50 the whole time. I'll do, I'll, I'll do longer races. So obviously, you know, you do like a hundred K race, you're going to be doing longer, you know, you'll have yeah, like a 75 sure. mile a week maybe, or if you're doing a 50 mile race, you'll be over. But other than that, I definitely don't. I mean, once in a while around 60 or 70, but like I said, that's the exception. Then I'll do 40 the next week. And, and I just, it, I just, I do a lot of stuff based on feel though. I'm not a data guy. I don't do any heart rate. I mean, I didn't have a GPS watch for a lot of years. I just ballparked it. I was like, I think I ran about six miles. I mean, for a lot of years in Colorado, I was just winging it. I'm like, I think that's tw- four I did four hours. That's 20. That's, that counts as 20. I mean, I had no idea. So I don't do anything with data really. Um, I do a little bit, I guess, from running roads. I look at my watch, but I just do everything on feel. So I just don't think I'd be a head man if I did it. I think I would just be injured, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you. I, um, I, that's kind of where I hung out just in my, when I was training for this last hundred, I was in the 50 miles and I don't think I got above that very much, you know, maybe doing a race here and there, you know, to just practice nutrition and stuff like that. But for the most part, I was in that 50 miles and I, you know, I felt great through the whole race and, I recovered extremely well from it. And so, like I said, I'm fairly new to the ultra running game. Only been doing it a couple of years, but, um, my first hundred, I was out of it for a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of months. And then this last one I was running the next week. So I just, I think that that was, you know, better program, better training, and, uh, just sticking to that 40, 50 mile weeks is kind of what, you know, helped me recover as well as I did. For you, that's awesome. Do you listen to, are you still doing hundreds? Are you still doing hundreds? Me or Robbie? You, Dustin. Oh yeah. I just, uh, I just did Bighorn this year. Um, so (laughs) yeah, so I'm, uh, like I said, that that was only my second one. I did, uh, black Hills here locally last year. Um, I did Bighorn. Um, and so 
Yeah, the, I, uh, the Black I, I, Hills one, one the Black Hills one hundred five. <laughs> I think it's actually one hundred six. <laughs> or or what, what is it? One hundred one hundred eight. Yeah, I I think I got close to one hundred seven. So it you come into that last aid station, you still have a seven miler to go, and you're just like, you know, it's super hot, and I don't know. That's a that's a crazy nice. race. Those are burly hundreds. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I didn't jump into something. Everyone's like, you chose those for your first couple. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I yeah. like the hundred miler. That's I, you know, I've done, I've done a couple other races here and there, but I think that that's the, you know, that's a distance that I really like. And so I'm going to explore that a lot more. So I don't know. I got to get a goal to go, go to Western Feeling States. It. And Do so it. let's go for it. But, um, I'm moving to Alaska, uh, here in about two weeks. And so, um, you know, so I'm going to have to like go play up in the mountains out there. So that should be a lot of fun, but they don't have a lot of races out there. They have a couple hundreds, but, um, nothing, nothing that are qualifiers or anything like that. So I'm gonna have to come back down to the States. So kind of nervous at running at low elevation. Yeah. You can get the climbs and stuff like that, but you, you know, running at low elevation and then coming back and trying to, you know, get a, a qualifying race. I know there's ones out there, but I really like those like ultra, you know, mountain races so we'll see how that goes next year when i come back but awesome do you listen to music or books or podcasts when you run i listen to podcasts sometimes um i don't really listen to music too much when i'm running i usually just uh i listen i, I like a lot of running podcasts um just and I, and I used to listen to a lot of joe rogan when i was out running um you know, basically just something to listen to as background noise. Um, and I like long form interviews and, you know, so podcasts were a natural fit. Um, for a while I, uh, I listened to 10 junk miles cause it's like Midwest running. Um, for a long time, I listened to Vinny Tortorich. That's kind of how I got into podcasts. I'd listened to his stuff for years. That's how uh, I got his interviews. Yeah. So that was probably my first main one. I listened to Vinny for a long time. Um, and then I, you know, got off on other people, um, on other tangents, um, through listening to him, you know, people he'd have on who have their own shows. Um, and then just, I don't know, I'm kind of all over the board, but definitely a lot of running stuff too. I mean, just interviews with other runners, you know, just where people are rambling and, uh, you know, giving their take, telling their stories, whatever. It's a good transition into the question we like to ask, who should we interview or what podcasts stuff like that who should you interview yeah and i'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to email you or think about it <laughs> i'm going a total blank because i'm thinking all i'm thinking about is like you know other runners but that's why you know any iowa other um, iowa runners boy have to get back to you no, that's all right so uh let's talk about your gear what kind of gear do you wear um i'm fairly min i mean around here most races are pretty short gaps between aid stations i mean less than 10 miles so um i got a vest that's a naked vest i hate stuff that bounces when i'm running it just drives me nuts so i got a, a hydration pack or a vest that's from naked and then i have one of their it's basically like a kind of like a fit belt or their, their waist uh, belts. I've had real good luck with that stuff. Um, and then I just use soft bottles. I either drink water or Pedialyte. 
Um, I drink a ton of Pedialyte, especially in all my summer races. That's like all I drink. Um, I've had real good luck with Huma gels, like the Chia ones. Um, I don't do any caffeine. I don't really drink coffee before my races or in the morning anymore. And so I don't take it during my races because it kind of just, you know, my heart rate's already usually on fire, so I don't need anything more. <laughs> um, so I don't do any caffeine or anything, but mostly just Pedialyte water, Huma gels, and, you know, sometimes I'll take uh, ultra salt or electrolyte tabs. Um, yeah, basically just a lot of Pedialyte and water. Do you get any uh, real food at the aid stations? Um, I do once in a while. Like if I feel like my stomach's kind of eating itself or I need some type of base, I'll eat like a little wrap or a PB&J or a cookie or something just to, to sponge stuff up. Um, but in general, I don't, I don't really do long races anymore. If I was doing a hundred, I would do much more real food, you know, and, and, and dense calories because I'd be going slower anyway. Um, remember one year at Umstead, I was like eating a cheeseburger while I was running and I was like, man, this is, this is normally not what I'm doing. <laughs> so I definitely, I definitely eat more solid, real food. Um, at, at, at the longer the race gets, um, and then gear, I wear all kinds of different shoes. Um, I've had luck with all kinds of different brands, you know, you kind of get what you pay for and it's just real subjective. So I wear lots of different shoes, depending if I'm running roads or trails or racing or, you know, I'm kind of all over the board there. So Nice. And my watch is my watch is just a basic Garmin. I don't. I do not trust those Coros. The elevation is not accurate around here, not on our trails anyway. Oh no! <laughs> we just both switched to Coros. I was so. gonna get a Coros. I was like, it's easier than just doing the real vert. I should just get one of those watches, and you know. Yeah, I love my Coros. We like the battery life, but they are they they are sweet, and I don't know if that's the case everywhere, but. <laughs> I don't know what it seems pretty accurate here. I mean, we got uh, M Hill. But there's there, there's there's some big discrepancies around here, and it's like someone's off. And of course, well, since I own a Garmin, I'm just going to side there. But <laughs> <laughs> I just jumped up to the uh, verdicts too, and I'm loving it. The battery nice. life is pretty pretty phenomenal on it, but. I do get it. It's, you know, it's a, it's a new, a new brand still, you know, up and coming, but I did hear the other day that they are the number three in the world. And for a brand that hasn't been around very long, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive behind Garmin and Sunto. They have sweet watches. Yeah. So that's, you know, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to say how long they've been around. Cause I, I couldn't tell you, but I know it hasn't been terribly long. It hasn't been like Sunto Garmin timeframe. So, um, you know, it's, that's pretty impressive that they've gotten that big of a following and, that little amount of time so um but i i totally get your your hesitation with going with one especially when you're a tried and true you know, i just like giving my i just like giving my friends a hard time who have it because you know <laughs> they'll see they'll see me wearing like carbon shoes and you know give me a hard time you know it all you goes could, around you'll never be able to switch to coros now that you you know you talk shit about about them to your buddies you know as soon as you switch, no problem, you're never gonna i would do it tomorrow it. i would do it tomorrow i'm sleep fine at night I would <laughs> do you wear the carbon uh trail shoes have you ever tried those yeah i've tried a bunch of them okay how do you like them i, I get a, i like all of them i mean okay. i like other shoes just as much i got a pair of adidas that i think have them um, and I got the North face ones that have, I like the North face ones. I went through a few pairs of them. A lot of people didn't like them, but 
I had good luck with them. Um, and then lately I've been running some of the Adidas Terex ones. Um, I have a couple of different pairs of those that I really like. That's what I run most of my trail miles in now. I was just going to say that I, uh, I just bought, well, not just a couple months ago, I bought the Adidas Terex Speed Ultras or whatever. And I absolutely love them. They're one of my favorite shoe right now. They're, I'm going to race in those this weekend. I've run a ton of races in them. Yeah, those are, I don't know what they're doing with them, but they're phenomenal shoes. I did notice that it took a little bit to break them in, probably 30 to 50 miles to break them in. Because when I first put them on, I was like, what is going on with these things? But after that 30 mile time frame, they kind of hit that sweet spot and they're super comfortable right now. And so I just, I don't know, I I, I'm in love with them. And I've tried a bunch of different things. I've, I've had a lot of foot issues. Um, so, you know, I just need one that is, I, I can't do those big cushiony guys and I can't do the real small, you know, feel like you're running on rocks at all the time. So I need to do that me- medium type cushion and stuff like that. And I just feel like those, those speed ultras just have the right amount of cushion, but they also have the right amount of feel to them, you know, where you actually, you know, feel like you're feeling on the trail. I, I, I like them. I'm, I'm very impressed by them. Yeah, me too. I'm racing in them. <laughs> we have a race this weekend as well, so I think I'll probably take them out there too. We're doing the Nightcrawler 12-hour in Casper, Wyoming. That sounds brutal. What it's like 1,100 feet of gain. It's an eight-mile loop. The, the, what was brutal was Palmer Lake. <laughs> the, the death race? That's race, yes. How many years? Remember, did you half have? the people are drunk. Half the, I just went there the one time. This the one time in the snowstorm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was just running with you, but I don't. Uh, I, I was just doing a training run. I didn't run that year. I was. I went there and I was like, "It's basically a DNF." Because I went there, I was like, "I'm going to do like I'm going to do up to a hundred. And then I got out in that weather, and I was like, "This isn't so bad." And I got to fifty miles, and I was like. I'm not in any pain. I'm leaving. Like I'm quitting while I'm ahead. Like this does not look like fun anymore. So yeah, I had remembered I hadn't seen you for a while, but I don't know how we got paired up and reminiscing of good old times. <laughs> that was the That's year when you had the huge beard, right? Yeah. That was a year they were doing the weird stuff where if you walk backwards, they give you swag one loop backwards. So Justin, so you know, it's a yeah. 0.88 mile loop around this little teeny like one aid station, but it's a, it's a huge party. I mean, p- people are just drinking and partying the whole time <laughs> and it's 24 hours. And the guy that set it up, if you got a hundred miles, he'd give you a race feedback. Oh. Then other people took it over. And I think now it's gone, which kind of sucks. Cause it was just a fun thing. Um, kids were free. I got my mom into it. She'd go out there and walk as many miles as she could. My sister ran it. It was a good little race. Kind of sad it's gone. Um, wrapping up here, I got one more question. Uh, what is one thing you'd give up for running? What, what I would give running up for? Yeah. That's what it would be? I guess if it was something uh, health-related, you know? I mean, and you could just chalk it up to that. Like if it was detrimental, like if I, you know, I, 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 I guess you'd think you could tone it down, but if I somehow had to give it up for, you know, for other reasons, then I would let it go. Or even on this level. I mean, that's basically giving it up. Like if I'm not doing these races and I'm just jogging, cause I have a, you know, 
whatever, save a heart condition or whatever. If I had a health issue, I would give it up, you know, and try to find something else to do, but or give up ultra running, you know, if, if you're out there just jogging or doing something to stay healthy, that's giving it up compared to doing these races. So sure. I guess if I had a compelling reason like that, I would, but I mean, other than that, um, I don't know, man. I mean, it doesn't cost any money to do and, you know, I'm single and so like, my, you know, I have a wife telling me I can't do it. <laughs> we have other priorities. So it's like, I'm doing these damn races. Like, I don't, I don't have any reason not to. So it's like, it's there for the taking, you know, but I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I, it just feels good to be healthy and doing this, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, don't get greedy. You know, it's just nice to be out there doing it. So that's all. Nice. So one big thing I always say is uh, it's not that I have to go run my long run. It's you get to go run your long run. You know, we're blessed to still be able to go run and have that, you know, a lot of people probably want to run that they can. So I always try to change the mindset. It's not, you have to, but you get to. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. My long run, man. It's like my, that's my favorite thing to do is like get up and go like try to blast it on Saturday morning. Like, I mean, that's the earliest morning I get up of the week for sure. And just, I don't feel like I'm training. Like for a while it was, you know, Robbie, when you're really getting in, you guys both know, you know, when you were getting in this, like doing a long run, you're just kind of like, woof. like, I, you know, I'll feel good on Sunday when this is over sometimes. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just, I, I, I look forward to it every week. Maybe it's because I'm back in Iowa and it's like, you know, I'm not at the altitude when the big climbs. So it all, it all just seems manageable, but I mean, you got to want to do this stuff, you know? True. So I know you're not much of a social media person working on how can people follow you and get to know you better? Um, I mean, I, I put some runs on Strava, but that's it. Otherwise, I mean, that's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the town I live in is like 50 people. Um, I got rid of my internet this year. Um, I don't do any social media. Yeah, man, I'm kind of off of it, but We'll get I don't you. know how much it is to follow. I mean, you could go to my ultrasound and be like, all right, this is what he's been up to. And other than that, I mean, <laughs> you could check in. <laughs> that kind of sums it up. There's, there's not there's not much content getting churned out. But I like it. You just keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends calls it raw dog. You know, no coach, no sponsors, no teams, no, you know. But it's just, you know, you just go out and run. Just for you. Well, thanks for coming on. I think that's about it. I don't got any more questions. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, I did no research. Yeah, it was good talking to you guys. Yeah, I did no research on you, <laughs> so I wanted this to be a uh, kind of like a blind interview for me. So I, you know, learned a lot, heard some cool stories. So I definitely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, it was fun talking to you guys. You know, it's funny you forget about a lot of this stuff. Like you don't think about like all right, let's go back to, you know, when I started doing these races, like you don't, you don't kind of, you forget about how much stuff that took place. No, all the DNFs and that, but yeah, man, it was great talking to you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It was good to see you. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by Backbeat Sound. Come and find us on Instagram at BackbeatSound1776 or email us at BackbeatSound1776 at gmail.com.